I will share with the children during children's time. I was not sure we were going to be able to be out here this morning, but here we have a beautiful breeze. God has given us a beautiful day, but it is always a good and beautiful day when we come together to worship, to take the time out from our lives, from our schedules, from the busyness of life, to take an hour to give thanks and to give praise to God. So we've come together this morning to do just that. So I invite you into a word of prayer. Oh, good and gracious God, what a day that you have made and we rejoice and we are glad in it. Lord, we come to this time and this place after different types of weeks. Weeks, Lord, where we might have been burdened by activity or worries and concerns. Lord, maybe we've had a fantastic week and we come here to give you thanks. Whatever the case is, Lord, you're going to meet us here right where we are. And Lord, we thank you so much for that. So God, I pray that your heavenly Holy Spirit opens our hearts to you and to your presence in this worship time. Amen. Our first hymn is To God Be the Glory. It is from the United Methodist Hymnal number 98. And a good morning and shout out to those of you who are joining us online. Let us sing.
Chairman's time. I'm afraid I can't ask you to come up to the front because we got new rules now. So you can just like smile at me from the background. Great. Smile at me from home for those of you who are at home. So I have a story to tell you about my morning. Okay. So I woke up today and where I live in Lerna, it was raining. And I freaked out. You know why I freaked out? David, do you know why I was upset because it was raining? Because we were supposed to have worship in the park. Can we have worship in the park if it's raining? No. No, we can't. We can't have worship in the park. So then I was trying to think, well, how are we going to have worship? Where are we going to be? How are we going to handle that all up? And that is what I was thinking about all my way here. And it rained from here, from my house, through Effingham to the outskirts of Altamont. But then you know what? I looked up in the sky and I saw a rainbow. I know. It wasn't a full rainbow. It was only about like this big. But there was that rainbow. And then I looked down at the road in front of me and I saw that it was dry. That it hadn't rained or if it had rained, it had rained a while ago. And do you know what kind of relief I felt from that? I felt such relief because I was like, oh, we can have worship outside and it's going to be okay. But more than that, I saw the sign of the rainbow and I remembered that God has always used that symbol as a sign of his presence and his promise. See, in the Bible, we're first introduced to the rainbow from Noah. Do you remember anything about Noah? Noah. So short story, Noah, big, big flood. Noah had a boat. It stopped raining. God sent a rainbow and said, I'm never going to flood the earth again. And it was the beginning of God's promise for us. It's almost like God was sending me a little promise this morning saying, hey, it's not going to rain. I got this. It's going to be okay. And how often do we need to remember that, you know what? God's got control. God's, God's got it. I needed that reminder this morning. I needed that reminder this week. And I think we need that reminder all of the time. So the next time you see a rainbow, I hope that you'll remember that that means God's got it. God's watching out for you. God's taking care of you. And so we say, thank you, God, for that. Let's have a prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for being with us always and for taking care of us. And sometimes, Lord, sending us little reminders so that we remember that you're in charge and that you're going to take care of us each and every day and in the rain and not in the rain. Amen. Did anyone else see the rainbow this morning? I guess that was just for me. <laughs> I made sure, too, that it wasn't like the window in the car. I moved around to make sure, but there, there was a rainbow this morning. As we enter into our time of prayer, we want to remember those in our community, in our families, in our church, who are in need of our special prayers. Of course, we want to continue to pray for those um, who are still at home uh, because of COVID. We we miss them, and I'm sure that they miss us, so we want to keep praying for them, reaching out to them as we can. Uh, for those who are in nursing homes or shut-in, whatever the case may be, we want to continue to pray for all those on the front lines 
of the COVID crisis, um, we again are so lucky. We are so lucky um, that we have just had the experience here in Effingham County that we have. Let's not take that for granted and let us continue to pray for those who are in the hospitals, um, you know, in other parts of the country who are working tire tirelessly to help those who are sick. I invite you now into a few moments then of personal prayer time. God, you who are the creator of all things, who leads us and guides us in all ways. Lord, we come before you humbly and thankfully this day. God, we thank you for all the ways in which you have blessed us and touched our lives in this last week. Lord, we thank you for things such as health and safety. God, we thank for the presence of family and friends. God, we thank you for just making a beautiful day. And God, too, we come to you this day with many concerns, worries, God, upon our hearts because we are still now living in these times which are so different from how it's been before. And God, we have so many worries and questions that are on our hearts. How are we going to go back to school? Will there be a normal? Will we stay healthy? When will all of this end? And Lord, that's on top of all the other concerns that we have. The, the lingering illnesses, aches and pains and diseases. The, the, the emotional issues or feelings or experiences that we have on top of everything that is related to COVID. God, we feel so weighed down sometimes. So weighed down. Lord, help us to look to you, to see you, if not in a rainbow, then to see you in a smiling face, a verse of scripture, or just the beauty of your creation. Lord, when we feel heavy and weighed down, Help us to remember that we can lay our burdens at your feet and you don't just hear us, Lord. You carry us when we need it. Lord, we do pray for so much. We have so many cares and concerns upon our hearts for our friends who are still isolated because of COVID, for those who are sick and have health conditions in the midst of COVID, for all those other concerns, for those who are without jobs, Lord, for those who are hungry, God, for those who are lost and searching, God, 
care for them, reach out to them, and enable us to be your hands and feet where we may. Help us to be the love and light of Christ in this dark, dark world. Because God, you are light. You shine through all of this darkness. Let us never forget that. Help us to see that in everything that we experience, in every trial that we might meet, and in all of the joys that we have, you are the light that shines. God, thank you so much. Because we know we're undeserving. We haven't done anything that makes us worthy of your love or your forgiveness. But you love us so much. Unceasingly, unendingly, always of the grace of your son Jesus Christ so Lord we thank you for him for you and for all that you give us and now we join our voices together to pray to you saying our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we we will sing the hymn, His Name is Wonderful. It starts on the right side of your song sheet and it finishes over at the bottom on the left. We're going to sing it through twice.
preach our way through the book of Judges. So for the next two weeks, we're going to be focusing on Judges chapter 4 and 5, as they are the same story told in two different ways. So I will start us out reading from Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. So the Lord sold them into the hand of King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Hazor of Sethelah. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that one. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron and had oppressed the Israelites cruelly for 20 years. At that time, Deborah, a prophetess, wife of Lippidah, was judging Israel. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, son of Abinoab, from Kendesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go take possession at Mount Go take position at Mount Tabor bringing 10,000 from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun. I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the Wadi Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh, and 10,000 warriors went up behind him, and Deborah went up with him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So like I said, we are preaching our way through Judges. And I have to tell you, most churches don't preach Judges. They might, treat, uh, they might preach Judgment, but they don't preach Judges. And that is because if you follow the common lectionary, which many churches do, only once in a three-year cycle is Judges read. And it is this passage that I just read to you and it's usually read Thanksgiving weekend. Well, are you going to preach about war in Israel or are you going to preach about Thanksgiving? Hence, a lot of times we don't talk about these stories and their significance to us now. Now let me ask you, how many of you have seen the musical Hamilton now that it has been out on Disney Plus? Oh yeah, raise our hands. Yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some of us have. Excellent, excellent. Okay, in love, I liked it before, liked it even more now than I did before. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with the musical Hamilton, it is about the life of Alexander Hamilton, who was married to a wonderful woman named Eliza. And though the whole story is about the good and the not so good things that Alexander Hamilton, the founder of our uh, financial system in the United States, no matter how fond you are of him, the credit of you really knowing about him goes to his wife. 
that Eliza worked very hard after his death. He was killed in a duel versus the Vice President of the United States. Is that not incredible? The Vice President, Aaron Burr, under Thomas Jefferson, challenged Alexander Hamilton to a duel and killed him and went on being the Vice President. We think we got it bad sometimes. No, no. So anyway, one of the things that the musical really emphasizes, one of its themes, is who gets to tell your story. And in the end, we realize that it was Eliza, Alexander Hamilton's wife, who had been cheated on, practically deserted for most of her marriage. Yet she loved her husband and honored the things that he did and the things that he had accomplished so she made sure that his legacy was complete, that people would know his story from that time. And great credit to her as a woman for being able to do that. It is a great credit to Deborah in our reading today that her story is even told. Because we know that in the ancient cultures of the, of the Near East, they were patriarchal, they were male-led societies. And so for a woman to be in charge, that's a huge thing. To have the story of a woman in charge told for generations upon generations, that means this is something special. And so here we have now the story of Deborah, Barack, and J.L. We will talk about JL next week. So we know through the cycle of the judges that what has happened to Israel is that they are without solid centralized leadership. And so individuals in times of need rise up to lead, to get them out of certain circumstances. And so Ehud before Deborah and Shamgar before Deborah had brought the people of Israel into peace, but now things have gone bad again. And why do things go bad for the people of Israel? The scripture tells us it's because they don't follow God, that they are tempted by all the other things that are around them, the other religions, the other cultures. And because of this, then other leaders like King Jabin of the Canaanites are able to put his thumb on them and oppress them. But we have Deborah. At that time, there was Deborah. Now, for those of you who watched or were here last week, I told you about the importance of names in, in the judge's story. And so Deborah's name is often translated from the Hebrew as B, like B-E-E, -E, buzz, buzz, okay? But the thing about Hebrew is Hebrew, ancient Hebrew, doesn't have vowels. All you have is consonants. And so it's up to the reader to insert the right vowels to come up with the right word. The word for Deborah can also mean root, I'm oh, sorry, could also mean speak or word. And that works for Deborah because Deborah, it says, is a prophetess. She is the wife of Lapidoth. Do we have any idea who Lapidoth is? No. Do we even know if she really was the wife of Lapidoth? No, because in another way to translate 
lapidoc. It can also mean woman of torches. So here is the torch-bearing woman, Deborah, the prophetess, who is judging Israel. She sits under a tree that is named after her. So I imagine that people in the area, if they want to know where to go, one of the directions might have been, we'll take a left at the tree of Deborah, and then people would know where to go. So she is well known, she is well trusted, and she has been judging Israel. The country that we are talking about here, and this is when I wish we still had the big TVs behind us, like we're in the sanctuary, because I've been able to see this area. This area is beautiful. It's a be the Valley of Jezreel is um, a beautiful, lush, green flatland in between two mountain ranges, basically. And so on the east and the west, there are tall hills or mountains. And then through the middle is this green land. Now, I saw it after, you know, 21st century farming has taken place. So it might not have been as lush back in Deborah's day, it might have been a little swampier, but given that Israel has a very dry period, there were times when that valley then was the perfect road, north and south, to connect Mesopotamia and the areas to the north down to Egypt in the south. So this is the area of Israel that we are talking about, and this is where Deborah has received the trust of the people of Israel. And God has heard the people's cry, let us free of King Jabin. And so she sent and summoned Barak. We've heard that name before, haven't we? Right. He's the um, Ehud Barak, the prime minister of Israel I was telling you about last week. That's, no, haha, I'm funny. Barak, in Hebrew means lightning. No, I don't know if that's why Barack Obama was named Barack. I think he was just named after his dad. But we had that discussion in our house. But she calls on Barack, obviously another leader in the community, a guy as well, and she tells him to raise up some troops. Raise up some troops. I want you to... Um, I don't just want you to. God has told me to tell you to bring up 10,000 men to go up against Sisera. Now, all the people of Israel know that Sisera has 900 iron chariots. Iron chariots against any man on the ground, the chariot's going to win. I mean, you all have seen the movies, right? You know, it doesn't matter which one, if it's, you know, Ben-Hur or Gladiator, anybody who's got a chariot has the advantage. Even if it's 900 against 10,000, they still have the advantage. It is better weaponry. And so it is intimidating, and it would seem impossible to the people of Israel to be able to go up against that. But God has said to Deborah, who has said to Barak, raise up 10,000 people and go against Sisera. And you will meet him at the Wadi Kishon, that area there in that valley that I described. So what did Barak say to her? What did he say to her? He kind of said, no. He says, I won't do it alone. It's kind of like when 
when mom says to the child, go kill that spider. And the kid says, I don't want to do that by myself. Come with me. Now, there could be two interpretations of this. It could have been that when Barack says, no, I will not go on my own. I will only go if you go with me. Deborah could have been thinking, well, yes, of course I will go with you because I have asked you to do this and I will be there as your spiritual leader and I will help you. Of course I will go. Or it could have been like the parent and the child and the killing the spider. <sighs> Roll my eyes. Yes, I'll go with you. I will hold your hand. I will be there for you. You'll be just fine, but I'll be there just because you want me to be. What happens then is she then says to Barack that you are not going to receive the glory for killing Sisera, but instead Sisera is going to be delivered into the hands of a woman. We're in 2020 where maybe that isn't such a shocking statement, but back in, you know, 1200 BCE, even 1200 AD, even in 1940, that probably was a pretty provoking statement. You're not going to deliver Israel the way you might want to, but a woman will do it instead. It could have been a pang, a, 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 a knife turn to Barack, or maybe, just maybe, he understood that the glory of the victory that is going to take place isn't to be his. That the glory of victory isn't about who he personally may or may not be able to kill or capture, but rather this victory is going to be God's victory laid out by God's hand. Because if you continue to read the scripture, you'll see that indeed the people of Israel had a victory. Because as they went into the valley up against the chariots, for reasons we don't understand or know, the area became bogged down with rain and water. And what happens to an iron chariot in the mud? You've seen the Ten Commandments, right? I mean, what happened to those chariots in the mud? You know, they stopped. They, they stopped. They become bogged down. And when that happens, what is a soldier on foot able to do? They are able to win. And that's indeed what happened to the people. It's interesting. The story as it's described in Judges is described in both 4 and 5. In Judges 4... It is a narrative version of the story. In Judges 5, it is perhaps the oldest piece of poetry that we have in the Old Testament. And it is a poem that describes the victory that takes place and how God interceded on behalf of the Israelites. That this was not a victory of the people. It was a victory of God. That the glory wasn't something that was to go to one well-known general. But instead, God was going to have the glory in what was to happen. And for the people of Israel to think that as 
10,000, they could go up and they could conquer the men in the iron chariots. Well, like I said before, it seemed impossible. But God showed them and shows us that when we hear God's call, no matter how ill-equipped we may feel, God will lead the way. God will give us what we need. Now, am I thinking that if God tells you to raise up 10,000 people to go slaughter the people in the next town, is that really what you're supposed to do? No. To apply these types of analogies to battle can be very difficult. But the overall idea of God took a people who were not perfectly prepared, who were not decked out with the latest and greatest in weaponry, yet still he did what was needed so that they could prevail, so that God could prevail. That is something that can speak to us. There have been times in my life where I thought a task was not possible. And sometimes they were small tasks, sometimes they were big tasks. Sometimes they were life-changing tasks, sometimes they were in the moment. For instance, I was on a mission trip in Juarez, Mexico. We were building a house for an organization called Casas Por Cristo. In four days, we built a two-room house. Now, it didn't have plumbing, but it had electricity, a roof, sides, windows, a door. This was a home for a family who did not have a home otherwise, or the home that they had was made up of, of sheet metal and, and other items like that. So in four days, we built this house. But one of the ways that we built the house is that we constructed the roof on the ground, and then we had to lift it up onto the house. Well, this was Juarez, Mexico. This was early July. This is the desert. This is the low temperature for the week was 102. This was the end of day three, and we had this roof to lift up on this house. Now, there were quite a few of us. There was a group of 12 of us, but we were so tired and so worn down. We really did not think we could get this roof onto this house. But our leader gathered us all together, said, everybody get a piece. And I said, you know what? The Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So let's just say that and see if it's true. See if God will literally strengthen us. And so we said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And lo and behold, we lifted up that roof and we got it into place. Never did I think that would have been possible. We were bone tired, 102 degrees, desert, dust, but we did it. That's one example of one moment. But think upon your life when there were times when you thought you couldn't persevere, when you couldn't get a task done. Or how about a ministry within our own congregation or a congregation you've been a part of before? where you thought for sure this is not going to work, or you question how well can this work out, and then you are surprised by the outcome because God made something flourish that you didn't expect, that God filled you in a way that you hadn't anticipated before. God does that. 
when we look to God, when we follow God and listen to God's will, maybe we'll be a little bit like Barack. Like, I need a little more help. And when we get to Gideon, we'll talk more about that. But God can work and does work through us. And we can do all things through him who strengthens us. God provides for us when we seek him. Over and over again, God provides. So here's my challenge for you for this coming week. I want you to read Judges 4 and 5. I want you to read both stories and begin to put yourself into that space. And I want you to learn about JL, the next player in our story, and see what she does and question what she does for the people of Israel. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, you call us and sometimes we follow. Lord, help us to be better at that. Help us to trust that when you call that you are leading us and that you have a plan and you know where you are taking us and that we should follow. Lord, open us up to those ideas that you have that may be harebrained to the common mind, but to you are the way to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Keep us open, keep us listening, and keep us responding. Amen. I want to thank all of you who have continued to financially support our ministry during these COVID times. For those of you who have mailed in your offering, we thank you. If you'd like to uh, uh, give an offering today, there is a basket there on the corner of the, of the bench there for you to place it. Um, you know, we can't pass the plate as we used to, so we are really depending upon you all to step up uh, to make that contribution to keep things going. And so we thank you for what you have given and we pray that God will use it to glorify him in our community through our ministry. So in thanksgiving to that, let us sing together, praise God from whom all blessings flow.
Um, we want to let you all know that Monday, July the 27th from 2 to 6 o'clock, there will be a blood drive at the Altamont VFW. Blood is needed very badly due to the COVID crisis. Donations have gone down. So if you are able to donate, again, that will be on Monday, July 27th from 2 until 6 o'clock at the VFW here in town. Um, uh, as I emailed to some of you who have emailed, um, it's going to take a lot of time and money to repair the uh, air conditioning in the sanctuary. So we will be meeting outside um, until that is fixed. And in other news about the building, the elevator is being repaired now. There are circuit boards that are being fixed and they will need to be sent back to us and reinstalled. So until that time, God, please continue to provide beautiful Sunday mornings for us um, so that we can gather together and so we can sing because we wouldn't be able to sing if we were inside. And I know speaking to several other Methodists, that really has become a big thing for their congregation. Uh, they're gathering, but they're not able to sing. And that is a part of our DNA. And so we are glad that we can. And so to conclude our singing and our worship, we are going to sing, He Leadeth Me, O Blessed Thought. It's number 128 in our
go from this time and this space watching out and following your leader, God, who leads us through the days, who guides us in our ups and downs, and who loves us 